0: think he is? I'm your king. Well, I didn't vote for you. You don't vote for kings. Well, how'd you become king, then? The lady of the
1: lake, her arm clad in the purest shimmering Samite, held aloft Excalibur from the bosom of the water, signifying by divine providence that I, Arthur, was to carry Excalibur. That is why I'm your king. Listen, strange women lying in ponds, distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. Be quiet! Oh, but you can't expect to wield supreme executive power just cause some watery tart threw a sword at you. Shut up! It's only a model. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrook. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we have started Season 5. This is Season 5, Episode 1, The Dark Swan.
0: Ooh, which means that we are on Book 7, Chapter 1.
1: Because we hate ourselves. That's
0: how we do things here at Welcome to Storybrook. Alright, are you ready for a season that is not as good as it should be? I mean, you must be because you're doing a podcast about Once Upon a Time.
1: There are highlights in this half of the season. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Every time I say stuff like this, it comes back to bite me in the ass. I feel like I'm going to be positive about this half of the season because it is not the second half of the season, which is some of the worst television I think I've ever seen.
0: The
1: hell season? The hell season.
0: The aptly named hell season?
1: At least we have Sexy Merlin to take us through these dark and trying times.
0: We do have Sexy Merlin. Okay, let's get into it.
1: So in Minneapolis in 1989...
0: Yeah, we start with a flashback, and we're in a theater that's showing Sword in the Stone.
1: Although apparently not the full movie, apparently just different parts of this movie.
0: Just the relevant parts of the movie. But the most important thing is, Once Upon a Time wants you to remember that there is a Disney movie... About King Arthur. So it's totally cool and it totally makes sense if King Arthur happens to show up. Can we talk about how really weird Sword in the Stone is?
1: We can. I have an affection for Sword in the Stone. I know it's a lesser Disney movie. It doesn't have great story structure.
0: Yeah, you know why? It doesn't have great story structure?
1: Because it's basically three vignettes stuck together.
0: Yeah, three vignettes taken out of the once and future king. Like... You're going to adapt the Arthurian legend, and you pick this really complicated story that's about fascism?
1: Well, The Once and Future King is the best adaptation of, uh...
0: It's a great, it's a great adaptation to sit down and read, but not to adapt to a children's movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I get why they did it, because, you know, it has stuff that would be fun to animate,
0: Yeah, the sequence where Arthur is turning into all the different animals is directly from Once and Future King. And so is the idea, although I don't think it really gets into it in Sword in the Stone, um, but the idea that Merlin ages backwards.
1: I feel like Sword in the Stone, granted it's been a while since I've watched it, but they do reference that. Merlin has a few offhand comments about things that will be popular in the future.
0: You know what's weird is that the musical Camelot is also based on Once and Future King. It's odd that that's the thing that people decided was going to be the definitive touchpoint for Arthurian legends in modern adaptations. Anyway, young Emma is at this theater watching Sword in the Stone.
1: She's snuck in, I guess, or...
0: I mean, presumably because this is is child Emma who has no money. And this is like child, child Emma. This isn't 16-year-old child Emma. This is like 8-year-old child Emma.
1: Yeah, very young. But she uh, steals a lost reference from a woman's pocket.
0: Yeah, she steals an Apollo bar from out of her pocket.
1: A giant Apollo bar. How did this woman not feel that?
0: Well, I don't know. She's really into the movie. I know that- No one
1: has ever been that into Disney's Sword in the Stone.
0: Oh, burn.
1: Okay, one more thing. This is actually my favorite thing about Sword in the Stone. It might be apocryphal, but I like it a lot. What's that? Apparently, the kid who voices Arthur is actually voiced by three different boys. It was the director's sons, and he had, he initially had his oldest son doing it, but then he hit puberty, so he just kept going down the line until the movie was finished. And you can kind of tell when you're watching the movie that these are three different boys who don't sound anything alike.
0: Huh. Okay, that's really interesting. I'm going to have to... Rewatch. We're going to have... You know, we say this. Whenever we get to a season, we're like, oh, we should rewatch 101 Dalmatians. It'll be a shame if Sword and the Stone is the thing we actually sit down and rewatch.
1: I I like it. I have affection for it. It was one of the movies. I I had one of the clamshells as a kid.
0: We'll see if it's on Netflix. If it's streaming somewhere for free, if it's streaming somewhere on a service we already own, we should watch it. Yeah,
1: and it's a cute movie. I mean...
0: I have no issues with it.
1: I'm going to honk off some furries. It's better than Robin Hood.
0: Well, Robin Hood's not a good movie, Sword in the Stone. Per se.
1: Sword in the Stone isn't a good movie either. It's three sketches stapled together and then a kid finds a sword at the end of it.
0: Yeah, it sounds about right.
1: But, I mean, characters have, like, pathos and emotion and shit.
0: Alright, alright, we'll we'll watch it. We'll watch it and then I'll have more of an opinion on it.
1: Yeah. And the animation's cool.
0: I mean, I haven't seen it since I was a child, so I, I have very little opinion on it right now.
1: Although, God, nobody's favorite Disney villain is Mad Madam Mim.
0: Which is weird. I mean, they had Morgana right there, and they didn't go with that as the villain. Well, Mordred and Morgana. They're already changing things around. Changing around. Also, I seem to recall a really uncomfortable scene where a squirrel sexually assaults a child.
1: Arthur gets turned into a squirrel, and a squirrel around his age falls in love with him.
0: How do you know the squirrel's his age?
1: They look the same. They're the same squirrel, except she's got eyelashes. So the internet apparently felt really bad for the girl squirrel because.
0: Wait, what? Okay. I'm not surprised. Tell me more.
1: Because I mean, it's sad. He turns back into a human and she gets freaked out by him and runs away. And then she's crying and stuff because she doesn't know where the squirrel she fell for went.
0: Okay. Is there fan art giving her a boyfriend because they felt bad for her?
1: There is fan art where she gets turned into a human girl. And Arthur has to teach her about human stuff.
0: Oh my god.
1: It's actually pretty cute. The internet did not go in the horrible direction you would expect the internet to go in.
0: You know, good job for once, internet.
1: I follow some Disney blogs. This is why I know this.
0: (laughs) Anyway, back to this show. I'm surprised
1: you didn't see it. You follow Disney blogs, right?
0: I do, but not as many as you, apparently.
1: I don't think I follow that many. I think we just follow different ones, which is good because normally we follow too many of the same people online. Right,
0: now you can show me stuff and I won't be like, yeah, I already saw that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So anyway, uh, Emma steals a candy bar from this woman and she's sitting down to eat it when someone shows up to narc on her.
0: Well, not to narc on her, but just to tell her that maybe she should do the right thing.
1: He talks about how doing the right thing's always important, even when you know you're not going to get caught, even when doing the right thing feels like it's going to hurt people.
0: Actually, he, he's, not, he's not as cryptic as we're making it sound. He's straight out like, hey, in the future, when you come across Excalibur, don't pull it out of the stone.
1: Leave stuff alone.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's right.
1: So we cut from Kid Emma learning an important lesson about not pulling swords out of stones to New Zealand...
0: You just think it's New Zealand because it looks like Lord of the Rings back there.
1: Yeah, there's...
0: But they film in Vancouver, British Columbia, so I have to think that's where they are. The
1: sweeping plains of Canada.
0: I think it's just a painting. I think it's just a matte painting.
1: Okay, I'm sorry about this, but prepare for a lot of it's just a model.
0: Oh my god, It's that's what this chapter should be called. Chapter 7, it's only a model.
1: Okay, there we go. So it turns out the people riding across the plane, because you have to open a season of Once Upon a Time with someone riding across a plane.
0: Yes, and several episodes within that season.
1: Yeah. So these people are King Arthur, Lancelot, who, hey, hi, Lancelot. You're going to get killed by Korra later slash earlier in the show. But they have found what they believe to be Excalibur.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm sorry, I wrote in my notes... He goes all Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I have no idea what I meant by that. Anyway, they come across Excalibur.
1: But they were beaten to the punch because someone else got there slightly before them, and... uh,
0: They were beaten by Sir Kay.
1: Yes, Sir Kay has arrived slightly before them.
0: And he's all, you know, strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. And he's going to pull the sword out himself. And you know what? I'm on his side. Yeah,
1: I mean, he got there first by the rules of the fetch quest. But unfortunately, we're going by Holy Grail rules. Except it needs to be the right guy, not the right cub.
0: Oh, I'm a Buffy the Vampire Slayer because he gets dusted. He grabs the sword and he turns to dust.
1: Ah, yeah, he poofs into dust.
0: Which is nice, because it gets you past standards and practices. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you get to die without it being too gory.
1: And Lancelot gets to be funny by telling Arthur that it's his turn now. And uh, the other knight uh, doesn't have to get paid for talking, so that works out for everyone.
0: Anyway, Arthur goes, and he grasps the sword, and he pulls it out, and it comes out because he is the rightful king of England? England? Okay, wait, can I pause right here to talk about how awkward this is?
1: Yes. Yes, you can. Because Wyatt Hallowell is the proper king of England, as we all know from Charmed.
0: Well, I mean, that's true. But also, we've had stories set in a place and time. We talked about Peter Pan.
1: We talked about Robin Hood.
0: We talked about Mulan.
1: We talked about Mulan a lot.
0: But is there a single story that is more set... In England, than the King Arthur legend.
1: Nope, it's like the quintessential British story.
0: There, it's it's such a fundamental origin myth for a country. You can't pull it out. You cannot remove it from England.
1: Okay, here Camelot's the country, like it's. It's the kingdom, and it's also the castle, and it's ambiguously the
0: country. Okay, I mean... Maybe, I... I mean, you know what, that's fine. Sure, because you can't have it be England.
1: I mean, you could, but then it would have to be its own separate realm, and there's a whole other issue there.
0: Right, but okay, sure, it's Camelot. Okay, that's fine. You made the changes you had to make, but maybe... Maybe... King Arthur was a bad choice for a story when you're specifically trying to match stories up. Or, or you know what? And I mean, I know we're a day late and a dollar short here, or maybe a pound. We're a day late and a pound short here. Mm. But maybe you should have gone back to before you did the Peter Pan season and had fake England in the past be a different realm. And had Peter Pan and Robin Hood and King Arthur all come from that realm.
1: Yeah. Or it's not too late now. You could have... This didn't have to be in the Enchanted Forest.
0: I mean... Which,
1: spoiler alert, the Camelot stuff does take place in the Enchanted Forest. Just a kingdom we've never seen before in the Enchanted Forest. Well,
0: I mean, we already know that because we already saw Lancelot. We did. Back in season one? Season two? Season one. Season one. Yeah, so we already knew that King Arthur was part of the Enchanted Forest, but because we only saw Lancelot, we didn't have to think about it too hard. And besides, Lancelot is himself a character from French legend that was imported into the British story. Anyway, I mean, I see how I can't, I can't logically tell a show that's about stories you can't do the King Arthur story. It's so fundamental to the concept of story making, but...
1: Where the hell is Gilgamesh?
0: Or Beowulf? No, no,
1: Gilgamesh should come first.
0: Well, Gilgamesh predates Beowulf. We
1: know what happens to Beowulf.
0: You know, we what?
1: see what happened to Beowulf. The Beowulf thing is one of the worst episodes of this show. By the way, we'll get to it soon, but
0: I have no memory of what you're talking about.
1: That's the one. That is the episode.
0: Okay, I remember Beowulf
1: Ah, ah, Beowulf is in that episode.
0: Okay, well, I look forward to hating it. That was in the last, that was in season six, right?
1: Yes. We should actually talk about this story, though.
0: all right, we'll get there in six months.
1: So, King Arthur pulls the sword out of the stone, but up, it's been, uh...
0: The tip's gone. So you want to rule a kingdom, but your sword is missing its tip. I hate it when that happens. Yeah... Also, he, like, throws a fit about it. And it's like, it's ceremonial. I mean, I hate to be on evil King Arthur's side here. Oh, spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. But but the, the extra is all, oh, no, what are you going to do? And it's like, just lie. You can just lie. It's no big deal.
1: Yeah. The extra says, how are you going to rule the kingdom with only half a sword? And King Arthur's like, the people don't need to know it's only half a sword.
0: And, you know, he's right.
1: And then we get to see where the other half of the sword is, and oh my god, y'all, it's the Dark One Dagger!
0: Ah! They, they do this camera pan thing where we go all the way to the end of the sword, and then we crossfade to the dagger line in the street, so you see that the dagger is really the tip of Excalibur.
1: How can you sheathe Excalibur? It's all wriggly, and the Dark One end of it.
0: I assume the sheath has to be as large as the largest parts of the squiggle. Hmm. Okay, so before we start, I feel like for our listeners who do not know, phallic is the word for a thing which is penis-shaped.
1: And ionic is the word for a thing that is vaginal.
0: Right. So Excalibur and I don't know, just to pull something at random, the Holy Grail.
1: Respectively, phallic and ionic.
0: These are things that you are going to need to know as we enter this season, no pun intended.
1: <laughs> Let's go. So, we see the Dark One dagger, which is the tip of Excalibur, so now you know that. And it also has Emma's name on it because Emma got Dark one up and then poofed into the sky at the end of last season.
0: Yeah, last week the Dark One symbiote took over Emma and no one knows where she is now. She's at, like, Dark One training camp.
1: And Regina's like... Emma's the dark one now. And Mary Margaret, because she has to be a contrarian at all times, is like, no, she's still good. And then the men man fight at each other, Hook and Robin.
0: Yeah. Although I do have to say, Regina's heart breaking at what has happened to Emma and being afraid for her is filling me with all of the feels. Like, oh, they love each other so much. Max, they love each other so much.
1: So Hook picks up the dagger and he's like, okay, so she's the Dark One. We need to talk to her. And he holds it in that kind of awkward way. Everyone holds the Dark One dagger so the audience can read the name on it.
0: So that you know that you're using it to command the Dark One. It's like speaking... You can't
1: just hold it all willy-nilly. and
0: It's like speaking ex cathedra, right? Everything that the Pope says is not divinely inspired only when he is specifically speaking ex-cathedra, right? So if you said to Emma, get me a glass of water, and you weren't holding the dagger in that manner, then you're not commanding her. You're just asking him in a very rude way. Well,
1: I mean, he listened to Anna of Arendelle when he when she was just kind of pointing it at him. I mean, I guess she was still holding it out.
0: Yeah, but... she was still displaying it in a way, you know? She's like, yeah, holding it. You. Uh, This this awkward hand thing we're doing to demonstrate how she was holding the dagger is definitely going to translate to the podcast.
1: So Regina's like, Hook, I thought you weren't a complete and total dumbass. The dagger only works on the Dark One if she's in the same world as the dagger. Clearly turning into the Dark One brought her back to the Enchanted Forest. You fuckwit.
0: Now, in all fairness to Hook, it took, like, three seconds to try, and wouldn't you feel like an idiot if you didn't try and it would have been the answer all along?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it really... I mean, Regina's being kind of harsh, but also, yeah, that does seem like kind of a leap, and it's good to try all things, so...
0: I mean, this was really just an excuse for her to call him guyliner again.
1: So we go back to the Dark One Black Well thing. We The la-
0: Well of Dark Ones.
1: Which we last saw when uh, Neil used dark magic to revive Rumpelstiltskin back oh. in Season 3.
0: Yeah, I forgot that we had already seen this. It's so important in this season, I forgot that it had actually been introduced beforehand. Yeah. Okay, so...
1: Emma does not get the crocodile skin.
0: Can we talk about her outfit, though?
1: She's wearing this kind of shredded white robe thing, gray robe thing.
0: She, yeah, she's wearing a hooded robe that really looks like the kind of hooded robe that Rumpelstiltskin would have worn before he became the Dark One. Hmm. It, it's weird. It's like, basically, I don't know who made the fashion choices for the Dark One. Like, what elemental force decided that this is how she should be dressed for her Dark One training camp? Ooh, wait, never mind. I just answered my own question. She did. Emma's the one who decided that that's what a Dark One in training looks like. Because, of course, she has, like, infinite cosmic powers now. Hmm. And also, Rumple appears beside her, but we know this is all in her head.
1: This is sort of a first situation. The first, the character from Buffy.
0: Okay, I was going more with, like, Head Six from Battlestar Galactica.
1: Or an avatar thing, because as the Dark One, she can talk to all previous Dark Ones, or a representation thereof of all previous Dark Ones.
0: Or like Chip Scorpius from Farscape. Or like- Something you haven't gotten to yet, I can't wait to show you that! Or
1: even ambiguously, like the Venom symbiote.
0: Can a Venom symbiote person talk to the previous symbiotes?
1: Uh, no, but they do absorb the personalities, uh, bits of the personalities of the people who were in them previously.
0: Oh, interesting. Anyway, Rumpel is there to teach her how to be the Dark One. And he says he can be any of the previous Dark Ones.
1: And demonstrates this by turning into a fire-breathing boar.
0: That doesn't make sense. How did the boar even wield the dagger to kill the Dark One before it?
1: Yeah, that's that's an issue there. Like,
0: they wanted it to be a non-human but it's dumb. It was a dumb choice.
1: So the, you know what? Let's just call this the Dark One. Because Emma is the Dark One, but this is like the manifestation of Dark oneness within Emma.
0: Okay, so we'll call this Rumpelstiltskin hallucination the Dark One. And we'll just call Emma Emma since that's who she is? Yeah. Okay, works for me.
1: So the Dark One tells her. Look, you just need to embrace this. You are the Dark One now. I'm you. And the faster you accept that, the easier things will be for you. Feel
0: the darkness inside you, Emma. She should.
1: Yeah, and she's like, no. Fuck this. The Sorcerer's Apprentice told me to find Merlin. I'm going to find Merlin and he's going to help me
0: Undarkify? Yeah,
1: he's going to destroy the evil within me.
0: He's going to de-darkness her?
1: Because- The Sorcerer's Apprentice did tell her at the end of the last series that Merlin was capable of destroying the darkness, even though...
0: If he had been, he would have done it the first time and not just bound it into the dagger.
1: Yeah, but whatever.
0: So, back in storybook, the Sorcerer's Apprentice is apparently not quite dead.
1: Yeah, he's got... well, yeah, because he still has more exposition to vomit out now. But he's too weak to do that thing where he instantly creates portals to the other world but
0: he can create the but he can summon the wand that creates the portals which by the way is totally movie hermione's wand hmm it's got the ivy wrapped around it the way that movie hermione's wand does and i mean just like super nerd moment here it absolutely looks like movie hermione's wand but is just far enough away from it that it's not a reused prop it's not the same It's not being pulled from, like, Warner Brothers prop house.
1: Well, it couldn't be because this is ABC and Harry Potter is the one thing Disney does not own.
0: Okay, that's accurate, but I feel like the people who do props and stuff are not necessarily affiliated with a single studio and that props can get reused across different franchises. I'm not 100% sure that's true, but I feel like it's what I see on shows, but, you know, correct me if I'm wrong.
1: I mean, we did see the Slayer axe being used in what was definitely... You know, being used in the background of this show, even though this show definitely...
0: I don't know about Buffy. I don't know who owned it. Hmm. Anyway, doesn't matter. Point is, it's weird that the wand looks like Hermione's wand, but it's not the same prop. Like, someone went to the effort to make a wand that looked like her wand.
1: Maybe someone just subconsciously ripped it off.
0: Maybe. Maybe.
1: Anyway, the Sorcerer's Apprentice is like, I'm just strong enough to give you exposition in this wand, but not strong enough to summon a portal that'll just take you there, which is something I've been capable of doing all the time, but whatever. You need to go find Emma, find Merlin, and she's in your world. She's in the Enchanted Forest.
0: He says that the wand has to be wielded by both the darkness and the light. And I can't believe that the editor had the nerve to cut to David and Mary Margaret when he said the light. Boo. And yet they did.
1: Also, Blue's there.
0: Is Blue the darkness and the light, or is she just the darkness?
1: Honest to God, Blue should be able to wield that thing.
0: Well, anyway, Regina picks it up, and she cannot wield it, because...
1: She has gone too far down the path of goodness. Which also explains why she's a lot weaker now than she was in the earlier seasons, because... Again, dark magic is based on negative emotions, and she's matured a whole bunch. So, she's weaker because she had character development.
0: What kind of lesson is this show teaching? Seriously. Anyway, everyone else is like, we need to get your sister to do it, which... Really?
1: Really? Come on. uh...
0: Like, I'm I'm not a fan of that device to get Zelina into the story. Like... Why? Why is Zelina the darkness and the light?
1: If anything, shouldn't Regina be the darkness and the light since she has both of them struggling within her?
0: She absolutely should.
1: Okay, so back in Fairytale Land, Emma is trying to find Camelot. She asks a guy for directions and he's like, okay, I'll give you directions for two pieces of silver. And she's like... I don't have two pieces of silver. And he's like, fine, five, which is not how that should go. If she doesn't have a small amount of money, why would you ask for more money?
0: Well, I think he thinks she does because I know that bedraggled women on the side of the road always have lots of money. Anyway, she starts to choke him out, like force choke him.
1: Subconsciously.
0: And I gotta say... This is a guy on the road who was approached by a woman in distress who asked him for help, and he refused to give it to her. He and he acted in a greedy manner. Her choking him right now is just the natural part of the fairy tale biosphere. If you don't help He's... poor-looking women on the road, they turn out to be evil fairies who fuck your shit up. I don't know why Emma's going to be punished for this.
1: Well, fairies who fuck your shit up. Fairies don't have classic morality.
0: Well, fair enough.
1: He's lucky he's not spitting out bugs every time he tries to talk.
0: Right? Although, you know what? I just had a theory that he wasn't even there. Hmm.
1: That's interesting. The Dark One appears to her and he's like, so how did you like your first taste of darkness? And I'm I'm like, wasn't that murdering uh, Cruella? Cruella?
0: Right? Weren't we told that was her first taste of darkness? Although,
1: again, she also did kill Walsh, but that was arguably self-defense.
0: Killing Cruella was defensive. I don't even want to get into it. I just want to present my theory that that guy on the road was never there. That her hallucinations created him as well to get her to cross over to the dark side.
1: No, I think he was just some douche.
0: Well, in that case, I wish she had killed him.
1: By the way, I I mentioned it uh, last episode, but I would like to continue to mention it here. Jennifer Morrison is acting a lot more than she has been recently, and it's really good. She seems like she's genuinely distressed during all of this. And when she realizes what she's doing, like, because she wasn't intentionally choking him, she seems honestly surprised.
0: She does this subconscious hand choking move when she's feeling the evil take hold that she pulls off really well without it being obnoxious.
1: Yeah, there's a whole bunch of really good small acting moments from her.
0: Uh, Yeah, good. I'm glad glad they gave her this moment to shine before they completely fucked up the story and then followed it up with the worst season ever.
1: We'll get to it.
0: So, back in Storybrooke...
1: Rumpel's in a morality-based coma because having all of the evil stripped from him, something-something, his internal moral clock needs to reset...
0: No, see, I think he had both all the evil and all the good sucked out of him.
1: So now he's a husk.
0: So now he's a husk. Anyway, Blue is there because why wouldn't she be drawn to husks? And she gives Belle the flower from Beauty and the Beast so that she'll know if he's dead or not.
1: Yeah, Belle feels guilty about going off to help because she's like, how can I leave his side? And blue's like look i created this rose and if he dies it'll die and then you still won't have been by his side and you'll feel guilty anyway so eh. i mean i guess the thing is flower petals will will start falling off if he gets sickly but yeah
0: see i really 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 wish there had been more to the beauty and the beast story and we had gotten to see blue in the enchantress role
1: Oh, that would have been so good.
0: I mean, we talked about this way, way back in the day, but Blue is clearly the Enchantress, right?
1: Yeah. Also, I am excited to, hopefully soon we're getting closer, talk about Descendants because Blue is in it as Belle.
0: Right, right.
1: Which is kind of weird in this scene because you're like, oh, you're both the same character and different things.
0: Doing a podcast about the Descendants? And, you know, let's just say it, Descendants 2.
1: Yeah, and Descendants 3
0: is coming out. Oh, is it really?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh my god, I can't wait. I am, not ironically, so excited for Descendants 3. I might take a day off work to get ready. Wow. I probably won't. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. We are very close on our Patreon to reaching the stretch goal of making a Descendants Part 1 and Descendants Part 2 podcast. Just a one-off special. Um... If you want to hear that, you should donate to our Patreon. Hmm. Just a a plug. Just throwing that out there. Even if you don't donate, we love you.
1: We do. It's true. So Regina goes to the asylum that's under the hospital that no one really seems to have any issues with, but whatever. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: She goes there with Hook and Robin to ask Zelina for help. And Zelina...
0: Is creepily, creepily... Zelina is making creepy come-ons to Robin since she's pregnant with his kid, and it's like, that is so not okay. This is a rape storyline. I mean, I know it's cliche at this point to say it, but flip the genders and think about how fucked up that is.
1: Yeah, it's... It's real bad. Although there is a... King Arthur precedent for this sort of thing.
0: I mean, I know I said flip the genders and think about how fucked up it is, but, I mean, that happened to Ms. Marvel. Didn't it? Isn't, wasn't that part of her plot? Where she was impregnated by Trick?
1: She was artificially impregnated by Marcus from another dimension so that she would give birth to him so he could get into our dimension. So no but
0: i mean i'm just thinking about how much the mystical pregnancy trope is a thing so saying flip the yeah so saying flip the genders and see how creepy it is i mean maybe there's a whole slew of writers out there who don't know how creepy it is
1: the miss marvel storyline is horrifying i'm surprised it got past anything it's literally about a guy who brings a woman into a different dimension brainwashes her into sleeping with him makes her forget the entire incident, and then she gets instantly pregnant, goes through her an entire pregnancy in like a week, gives birth to a baby who is the guy who knocked her up, who ages super quickly, and then he takes her back to his home dimension.
0: Okay, number one, also an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Ugh. And also, this is what happens when there are no women in the room.
1: Oh, and it was the 200th issue of The Avengers. It was their special for 200 issues of The Avengers. Ugh. This is why most... The Avengers is a very hot property for Marvel now. For most of its run, it didn't do all that hot, and it was kind of the book everyone ignored.
0: I had a She-Hulk blog which died, which I'm going to revive, I think.
1: Yeah, you should.
0: But honestly, the reason it died is because I got to the point of She-Hulk where She-Hulk was in The Avengers And having to read and write about the Avengers all week was sapping my soul. I think I'm going to restart it and just skip over the Avengers.
1: I'm a well-known Scarlet Witch fan, and whenever people are like, Oh, what should I read? I'm always like,
0: uh... Well, you have to, like, just curate issues for them. You can't even, like...
1: Not even issues, sometimes moments. I have to be like, You have to read this panel and none of the rest of this issue. (laughs) Or the, the vision... Scarlet Witch miniseries are both charming, but you do have... There's some uncomfortable race and gender stuff. Because what? they were written in the 70s.
0: Surely not. Quicksilver versus some alarmingly
1: racist things to Luke Cage.
0: Oh my god, I wasn't even thinking about that. Jesus.
1: Yeah. Anyway, oh my god, we were talking about Once Upon a Time at some point. So, back in Fairytale Land... The dark one tells Emma, so why aren't you just like,
0: you using know... Using your infinite magic powers to do whatever you want all the time. Yeah,
1: you can just use those powers to go to Merlin and then just do all of this stuff. Like,
0: And Emma's like, I don't want to be using my dark powers because I feel like the more I use my dark powers, the more the darkness grows in me. And that's not what I'm here for. And Rumpel's like, okay... And starts giving her this like guided meditation speech, you know, imagine a lake with trees and beautiful sun and whatever. And next thing you know, she teleports and she's like, you tricked me into doing teleportation.
1: And he's like, congratulations on your first magical transportation, which she was doing. She There was a whole scene where she was teleporting stuff around Hook in the diner. I mean, I guess Teleporting
0: things and teleporting yourself are two entirely different skill sets.
1: Has she literally never teleported
0: herself? She's never teleported herself until this moment.
1: Huh. So does she not have... I guess she doesn't have her savior powers anymore. I mean, shouldn't she still have her savior powers? Shouldn't she have both Dark One powers and savior
0: powers? Do the Dark One powers overwrite the savior powers? I mean, that's a great question. I have no idea if it's answered to our satisfaction.
1: So the Dark One points out, okay, if you don't want to use your powers anymore, look over there. It's a Will of the Wisp.
0: We definitely needed one more thing shoved into this season. It's already Dark Emma and Camelot and now Brave as well.
1: Yeah, spoiler alert for the Brave stuff. Not good. So he tells her the Will of the Wisp will lead her where she needs to go, which I feel like mythologically is not really what Will of the Wisps do. Don't they just guide you into the woods so you'll die?
0: That is correct. Will of the Wisps guide you into the woods to die. But I think also, and in Brave, I think this is the case, they, they're they more benevolent and they take you to where you need to go. But in a kind of, you didn't know that this was your next step and now here we are way, and not in a, like, GPS tracking way.
1: You get what you need, but not what you want. Exactly. Back in the asylum under the hospital.
0: Look, I don't even know how I am supposed to react to this scene with anything other than blind rage.
1: Robin tries to appeal to Zelina by asking if she want, like, she he's like, if you do this for us, we'll be able to make it so our child will be born into a world without darkness. And she's like, it's not our child, it's my child, you were an unwilling pawn in its creation. Why does she think this gives her the high ground? This is a very infuriating scene.
0: It's terrible. And also, in addition to the terrible rape stuff, which is what's happening, I also hate that they're going to let Zelina open the portal instead of just trusting emma like that really bothers me about all of this they're willing to get in league with Zelina, and that shows how little faith they have in emma
1: ah uh, except regina's not regina has faith in emma but we'll get to that regina hands Zelina the wand and asks how to use it which why would Zelina know but she's like
0: right this whole thing ugh anyway
1: She tells them how to use the wand and that she knows she can make it work. But first they have to remove the magical inhibiting bracelet that she's got on. And Regina's like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. Like, there are other options. We can do something else. This isn't really a time issue. Regina and Robin Hood storm out and Hook stays behind to share significant glances with Zelina.
0: Zelina kind of pours poison in his ear and is like, Oh, Regina's just holding a grudge. Gee, I wonder why. And basically makes Hook think that she's his only chance to save Emma. Ugh. God, Hook's dumb.
1: Hook's ugh, Hook's awful in this episode and this season.
0: Pretty but dumb. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant pretty, pretty dumb. Pretty dumb. So Emma's
1: chasing after the Will of the Wisp, but someone else is chasing after it too. And she she throws her hand out and accidentally telekinetically flips the person over and oh, it's Kristen Wig.
0: I mean, it looks like Kristen Wig in a wig. Seriously, the actress playing Merida looks so much like Kristen Wig in a Party City red wig.
1: And a Party City brave dress.
0: OK, so let's talk about that.
1: OK, so this is Merida's fancy not being herself dress. Right.
0: Yes, except that she's an adult now, so it's presumably an entirely different dress. And also, it's where Merida's dress was ripped to allow movement, this dress is tailored to allow movement. So presumably, as she grew into an adult and grew into her role, she stopped eschewing all feminine things and instead adapted them to her needs.
1: Hey, do you remember how Brave was a movie about the relationship between a woman and her daughter? And... You know, that was the focal point, which was really kind of interesting and unique for a Disney movie. Yeah? Yeah, Merida's mom does not appear in this season. It's all about her relationship with her dad.
0: Honestly, Queen Eleanor not being in this season is a huge betrayal. But also, I really want to talk about the costuming.
1: Okay, go for it.
0: This already came up in Frozen, so it it feels like we're rehashing old territory here. But seeing it again with Brave, I can't help but bring it up. When you see her in that outfit with that hair, with the arrow, it's like, oh, it's brave. In season one, we saw characters and we understood who they were before we knew who they were supposed to be.
1: Yeah, that was part of the fun of the show was figuring out what character was who by their actions.
0: The idea that a character would be wearing an identical dress to their movie dress is contrary to what was one of the things that made season one really good. It's shifted from an examination of what these characters mean to, oh, hey, I recognize that. And they kind of have no choice here, because as with Frozen, we're not talking about a historic folklore character like with Snow White and Cinderella. We're talking about a character that was created for a Disney property. So they want to be really sure that you see the dress, the the Disney marketing. So even if you didn't see Brave, you know that that's who this person is. Because you saw all those goddamn commercials.
1: Okay, it's it's been a bit since I've seen this season. But I remember when we were watching it the first time, really getting the impression that the people who wrote this season did not like Brave.
0: I remember feeling that this season is really offensive to basically everything that happens in Brave. So yay, get ready to hear about that.
1: So Merida pulls her bow on uh, Emma, and Emma's like, sorry, sorry, mistake. I've got magic I don't really want, and it keeps on coming out at weird times.
0: This is important. She says she's been cursed with magic, and she's clearly in a bad way. So, Merida, maybe don't be so jumpy at a person who just told you that she has magic she can't control. She's clearly doing her best to keep everything under control right now.
1: So Merida's like, oh, you're cursed? Be thankful you're not a bear. And I was like, what? And Merida's like, it's a whole thing. Don't worry about it. Except she says it in this terrible Scottish accent. I hope this isn't one of those things where the actress is actually Scottish and, uh...
0: I, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe this is a genuine Scottish accent. Anyway, even even the Dark One shows up and is like, is she serious with that accent?
1: Yes, because the Dark One is us, kind of, yeah.
0: Yeah, at that moment he is. But listen, listen, once upon a time, hanging a lantern on it doesn't make it okay.
1: Mm. So Emma's like, look, just go find the Will of the Wisp. You need it for your family, because... Merida apparently needs her for her family.
0: Because her brothers have been kidnapped.
1: We'll find out more about that later, but for now...
0: They're going to go together. They're going to follow the Will-O-The-Wisp to Merida's brothers, and then Merida's going to hand it over, and Emma's going to get her sloppy second Will-O-The-Wisps.
1: Mm. So Hook finds Henry at the diner because he has realized... That Henry is the one confident character in the show now.
0: Also, Henry has a power where he can literally just change anything by writing it down. And Henry's like, yeah, I broke the pen so that I wouldn't be tempted to do that because that's... that's. Do you... Were you not here last season, man?
1: It was the whole point of the last season.
0: And then Hook's all like, but that was about them. This is about us.
1: He's recruiting Henry to... Busts Selina out of the insane asylum.
0: Hook is like, okay, so you won't break the Sorcerer's Apprentice's rules, but will you break the law with me? And Henry's like, oh yeah, I break the law for breakfast.
1: He is very conspicuously drinking a Big Gulp, a Big Gulp that actually has Granny's branding on it. Which I love.
0: Does it? I didn't notice that.
1: Yeah, at first I was like, okay, he kind of got that at Granny's, even though he's sitting at Granny's, but it does have a weird Granny's logo on it.
0: That is weird. I think we have never seen before and never will again, except that he needs to have a Big Gulp cup for the next scene. That's hilarious.
1: Are we assuming it's full of hot chocolate?
0: It's Hot like... chocolate with cinnamon and a Big Gulp? That sounds disgusting.
1: It does, but that... isn't that all he drinks? Not that I'm complaining, except that it sounds like I am. I'm just pointing out, it feels like a while since we've had the uh, cho- the hot chocolate with cinnamon thing.
0: Yeah, it's true. Anyway, back in the Enchanted Forest, Merida's doing exposition at Emma, and talking about how after her father died, her brothers were kidnapped because the other clans decided a woman couldn't lead. She's like, yeah, I guess there's a lot of sexism in this land, and Emma's like, not just in your land. That uh, aged. Poorly. Or not. I mean...
1: It's still relevant, but it has a little extra gut punch now.
0: Yeah, if anything, it, it aged too well, and it's, like, too painful now.
1: So, Emma can't sleep, because apparently Dark Ones don't need sleep, which would probably be why they're so evil all the time. Insomnia is kind of a psychologically difficult thing to deal with. But, I mean, it's not that. It's that she's, as a mystical being, she no longer needs sleep.
0: Which is awesome!
1: Rumpel talks about uh, that was one of the reasons why he kept spinning was because he had a lot of extra time and it helped focus him. Now, Now, the Dark One says that once Merida uses the Will of the Wisp, it'll be used up. It can never be used again. Yeah,
0: using a Will of the Wisp, apparently it becomes tied to you until you die. So when you use a Will of the Wisp, it just after it's done its job, it just floats around until you die and then it gets to be a Will of the Wisp again that's that seems unlikely to me
1: yeah also then you wouldn't be able to sleep because you'd have a giant floating light floating around you so rumple's like hey if you want to use the will of the wisp to find merlin and you know get the dark oneness out of you you're gonna to have to kill merida and emma's like i don't want to kill merida really loudly out loud while sitting next to merida who is totally awake holding a knife freaking out because this woman is talking about not killing her
0: yeah that's not that's not what you want to hear I mean, it's not as bad as I am going to kill Merida, but a person fighting with someone that only they can see about whether or not to kill you, I kind of feel like you don't care what side they take. You just don't want to be there. Yeah. So back in Storybrooke, Henry is on a rogue mission with a rogue.
1: Yes. Hook asks if he's going to use the Wookiee trick he used last time, you know, to get into that tower Emma was being held in in Isaac's story. And Henry's like... I'm an anime protagonist. I never use the same trick twice.
0: Yeah, instead he's going to use the accidentally spill a giant big gulp of coke onto Nurse Ratchet,
1: Who he calls by name, which just seems weird.
0: Right? So while Nurse Ratchet is freaking out and Joe wanders over to assist, Hook is able to steal the keys and get into Zelina's cell.
1: He winks at Joe, which reminded me of back in season... In the I think it was the beginning of season two. When Bucky broke into the asylum, and he also stole keys and then winked at Joe?
0: I think Joe just likes when anyone causes trouble for Nurse Ratchet, which tracks to the book.
1: Mm. So, I I feel like someone should have read...
0: One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest?
1: And be, like, a little concerned about Joe.
0: Oh, you mean someone in Storybrook? Yeah. I mean... Yeah? I... I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what else to say to that. Anyway, in Zelina's cell, Zelina's all like, all right, take off the cuff. Hook's all like, I don't think I want to be alone with you, a magical creature, when you have your magic, since unlike David, I know that swords aren't good for killing magical things.
1: And he's all, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the potion that Regina gave me back in season two That lets my Hook rip out hearts, and I'm just going to control you into doing what I want once I'm holding your heart in my hand.
0: And Zelina's like, bitch, there's a spell to protect your heart. As soon as Hook tries to rip out her heart, he just gets shot across the room.
1: She's like, yeah, you remember that protection spell Regina put on Henry's heart in season three? I have something from season three that can defeat your thing from season two.
0: She's like, I'm not an anime protagonist. I will use the same trick over and over. And then... And then...
1: She cuts off her hand
0: that she takes,
1: has the magic cuff on it.
0: She takes Hook's knife and cuts off her hand. Listen, if that's an option, how is the cuff effective at all against anyone?
1: Well, literally anyone can take it off.
0: Well, so she cuts off her hand and then slides off the cuff and then magically reattaches her hand.
1: And then she pamps away and Henry comes in and he's like... I left you alone for two minutes. Come on, dude.
0: Right? Anyway, in the mayor's office, everyone's yelling at Hook for being so dumb.
1: Regina calls him a moron and he's like, at least I'm doing something to save Emma. And Regina's like, I have confidence that Emma can handle herself for 10 minutes.
0: Also, no, you're not doing something to help Emma. You fucked up and now Zelina's loose, idiot.
1: And Mary Margaret's like, this is what happens when Emma's not here. Emma kept us united. We're going to have to put our differences aside and work together. Ugh.
0: Or they could just leave your ass at home.
1: You're you're not useful. Ever.
0: They might need somebody hypocritically sermonizing about them to keep them from doing what needs to be done.
1: Ooh. And what if there's a baby that needs to be thrown in a death pit? Yeah. I mean, literally, literally. When was the last time she positively affected the plot? Like Like season
0: one? Season two? Yeah,
1: I was like, maybe season two when she shot that ogre that was trying to get Emma?
0: So, I mean, I'm going to spoiler bleep this out, but when Emma comes back, (laughs) so she magically... Because she's not willing to sacrifice a child to get even the most important of things done. And Mary Margaret just steps in and stops her from... Oh, God, I hate her. Oh, it's gone.
1: So Regina's having a discussion with Robin Hood. Robin Hood was uh, putting his son to sleep. Where is... Where is baby Neil, by the way?
0: I'm glad you asked where's baby Neil because that's going to become important later.
1: Ugh. So Robin goes to kiss Regina, but oh, it's Zelina. And Zelina's like, isn't it weird that you immediately recognized it wasn't Regina from my kiss, but I was Marion for, like, months with you and you didn't know anything?
0: I mean, right. So in the middle of town.
1: Regina and the gang, the Charmings, Henry, Hook, they're walking dramatically up to Zelina. Who, who has who is
0: magically controlling Robin with I don't know some sort of green magic?
1: Yeah, she's just got green magic sort of surrounding him. Mary Margaret's wearing a very weird outfit. She's like a. It
0: looks very Chicos.
1: Oh, I was gonna say she's like a dental hygienist.
0: I think those things. I think those things match. Hmm. Anyway, Regina's all like, "Don't hurt him," and Selena's like, "I'm just gonna trade him for getting the fuck out of here." And listen, Max, they should just let her go, right? Yeah. Like, let her go. Who cares? If you're not going to kill her, just let her go.
1: She's going to use the wand to open a portal to Oz. She's just going to live in Oz with her shiny new baby and do whatever. She doesn't care. She's sick of dealing with everyone.
0: I mean, okay. Like, problem solved? Yeah. But But no. They have to, like, stop her?
1: Regina gives her the wand. This turns out to be a trick, so Zelina will open the portal, they stop Zelina, they use the portal to get where they want to go.
0: I, I I guess that's logical, that they were tricking her into opening the portal that then they were going to take control of. But also, you lost your opportunity to get rid of Zelina.
1: I do love this, because Regina does something basically no one does in this show. See, Zelina creates the portal... And while she's distracted doing that, Regina just walks up behind her and puts the magic-containing cuff on her.
0: Right, there's usually kind of an idea in these shows that if the action takes a long time to, like, gear up, or people need to have a romantic conversation before they do the thing, like everything's paused and the bad guys don't attack you while you're doing that. No one
1: attacks Sailor Moon when she's transforming. And
0: Regina's like, yeah, no, I'm just going to snap this cuff on her wrist and now we're done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She's distracted doing something else. I'm just going to walk up and do this. Which is pretty great, but basically never happens in the show after this. So back in fairy tale land, Emma tries to wake up Merida, but she snuck off because apparently loudly talking about not murdering someone is a little freaky.
0: I mean, right. Yeah. And the Dark One shows up and is all like, ooh, she's looking out for number one. You should be doing the same. You should kill her and take that Will-O-The-Wisp.
1: Emma, by the way, washed her hair at some point. It was very stringy when she first popped out of the Dark One ooze, but now it's uh, nicer.
0: I think maybe that's where she was, like down at a river taking a bath (laughs) or something.
1: So Emma agrees that she does need to deal with this, so she in, She uses her Dark One powers to bamp over to the Ring of Stones, but oh, it's too late, Merida used it to get her answer.
0: Yeah, so she released the Will of the Wisp, and Emma comes up, and now they're going to have a discussion, like, where Merida has her arrow notched, and Emma's pacing around her kind of threateningly, and, I mean, the Will of the Wisp has taken off. It's too late for Merida now. Eh, whatever. I mean, I guess in this show it stops and waits for her to catch up, but that's not the way Will-O-The-Wisps work.
1: So, Merida's like, I'll shoot you with arrows, I don't care. You're a witch and that's cool, I guess, because murdering witches is cool, there's...
0: And she implies that she knows about how bad witches are from her past with witches, but the witch in Brave isn't evil.
1: Yeah, she wanted to be left alone... She,
0: She gave her a spell to do exactly what she wanted to do and warned her about the consequences and then she dealt with the consequences. And also she did the witch thing where she gave her what she needed, not what she wanted. So she healed her relationship with her mother. I like
1: the idea that the Witch and Brave literally only knows one magic spell, and that's turning things into bears.
0: And so that's her solution for everything?
1: Yeah. She's just like, okay, I can do whatever, as long as it involves turning someone into a bear.
0: I love how much that entire scene was just a ripoff of Miyazaki's style. It was like the whole movie just took a field trip into a Miyazaki movie.
1: But anyway, back in storybrook the tornado is coming because that's how this works now.
0: Yeah, because of the kind of portals Elena opened, it... It's going to be a tornado. And so everyone's inside Granny's, and Granny's Diner is going to be the thing they use to travel. And Baby Neil is there, and Roland. They've all just decided that it this is a thing that you can take kids on, like it's the Enterprise D or something. Mm. And then, and then... The dwarves show up and they're like, we don't want to be left behind anymore. And Regina's all like, you must be this tall to ride this ride. And it's like, Mary Margaret has a fucking baby.
1: She literally says, out dwarves, adults only.
0: Clearly not. Roland and Neil are both there.
1: And Grumpy's like, no, we don't ever get to do anything on this show.
0: And then he like reminds Snow White that he's part of her story. He's like... We just want to be with you and go on adventures, remember? Remember in season one when we used to go on adventures together because you were Snow White and not whatever this terrible Mary Margaret thing is?
1: Like, we get to, we know how to do stuff. We can do things.
0: Anyway, you, you so. Think
1: Doc would be a little grumpier because of how she murdered him in the other world?
0: It's impossible for Doc to be grumpy. No, no, no. I didn't mean that as like a pun or a play on words. I literally meant that dwarves can only embody the the element that they are named for.
1: That's depressing. Yeah. Especially because Sneezy's
0: element is sneezing. <laughs> Poor Sneezy. Anyway, the tornado comes and sucks up the diner, and we see David and Mary Margaret protecting little baby Neil's neck. Like, like you're not in a diner hurtling through the sky.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say this. Not good parents.
0: Anyway, back in the Enchanted Forest, Merida and Emma are still facing off.
1: And Rumpel's like, Dude, just kill her. It would be so easy. And Emma's like, I'm not going to kill her. And Merida's like, yeah, because I'm going to kill you first. And she shoots an arrow at her.
0: Which, you may recall, historically, is not very effective.
1: Yeah, I think we may have mentioned it once or twice on this podcast. But for some reason, pointy objects, not super effective against magic. So Merida keeps on shooting arrows at her. And Emma keeps on catching them and throwing them to the ground. And she's like... I need to find Merlin, otherwise darkness will consume me and I'll start killing people. And Merida's like, I don't believe you, I'm shooting more arrows. And Emma's like, really? Do you not see every time you shoot them? I catch them. It's Seriously, stop poking the fucking bear. Oh. Yeah. that That was not intentional, but...
0: Anyway, Emma then uses her power to, like, drag Merida to her, rips out her heart, and is like, oh good, now I'm just gonna crush your heart.
1: And then everyone conveniently runs up because I guess the house landed right near her. I I guess they, they they, they were used.
0: They used Emma's blanket as a homing thing. So they would have landed right next to Emma.
1: So Regina's trying to talk Emma out of it. She's like, you don't need to kill this girl. Look at her. She clearly doesn't have a good life as it is. Life is punishing her enough. You can just put her heart back. And then Mary Margaret takes out the Dark One dagger. And she's like, hey, look, we don't have to talk her out of it. I can just tell her not to kill this girl.
0: Yeah, and then Hook's like, um, no, that's not how we, that's, that's not how we handle problems in this family. We don't handle problems in this family with mind control.
1: That reminds me of back in season two when Mary Margaret was all, hey, now that I have Cora's heart, I can just force her to be good.
0: Yeah, Mary Margaret sure does go to that mind control well fast, doesn't she? What a bitch. Anyway, Hook's like, um, how about if I just stop you with love instead? How about if I'm just all like, hey, I love you. Don't be like this.
1: Yeah, they have one of those, don't let the darkness consume you. I have to let the darkness consume me. Xander talking to Dark Willow. Scott talking to Dark Phoenix. One of those.
0: And listen, as much as I'm on Emma's side here, I have to say, from Meredith's point of view, she must be like, oh my god, just use the fucking mind control dagger so she doesn't kill me.
1: Yeah, screw Merida. Mer- Merida on this show is...
0: Merida should have stayed in her own movie.
1: Her subplot is basically pointless. Her
0: subplot is basically undoing everything that Brave did.
1: Uh, yeah, but Emma shoves Merida's heart back into her and she's fine. The Dark One hallucination disappears and she hugs Hook.
0: Yeah, th- so the Will of the Wisp is still there. So I guess it didn't take off like it does and should. So, now we can say goodbye to Merida and never see her again and not have to deal with this goddamn plot.
1: Yeah, and Merida's- That would like... be
0: nice, wouldn't it?
1: She thanks Emma for reminding her that she's got darkness in her too, that she was going to kill the people who kidnapped her brothers, but now she's gonna talk to them and then she'll re her country with the clans and-
0: Well, it's a quote from an episode of Farscape that you haven't seen yet. Goodbye, friends. Thank you for teaching me to love killing again. <laughs>
1: So Merida goes running off to go be in a series of not very good subplots.
0: And then Hook brings up that her skin hasn't gone all scaly. And she's like, well, yeah, that's because I'm a beautiful actress and uh, it's how TV works.
1: And Mary Margaret hands her the dagger by doing that thing you do when you're about to command the dark one.
0: Which is bad because it's dumb, because it's a misleading way to hold it. But also you're offering her a dagger by the point. I mean... Mary Margaret, this is your child. You're a terrible parent.
1: Here, take these scissors pointy end first.
0: Anyway, Emma does say that she needs somebody to keep tabs on her because, you know, the power might get out of control.
1: Yeah, she's like, if I wield this dagger, I will have the full powers of the Dark One and there'll be nothing to hold me in check. I need someone I can trust with my soul.
0: So she gives it to her girlfriend. She gives it to Regina, which is honestly the most intimate thing you could do
1: and unlike rumple when he gave the fake dagger to bell she's legitimately giving regina the dagger she's <laughs> like i need you to keep me in check and if worst comes to worst, i need you to do what no one else here will which is really underestimating how much david likes stabbing people but <laughs> right So they take Emma to Granny's diner, which apparently has working electricity because there's a generator in it.
0: That makes sense. Generators are gas-powered, so they don't have to be connected to anything in the ground. They're going to run out of gas, though. Anyway, King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table come riding up on horses. And they're like, hey, we knew you were here because we got the letter from the past from Merlin saying to be here at this time to meet you.
1: Yeah. Merlin's
0: not here. He was turned into a tree. But, they, they don't say that. But that is where he is.
1: Yes, Merlin is a tree in Camelot, and we're gonna be dealing with that for a while later. But in the meantime, David has just spotted a man with eyeliner and a beard.
0: So he'll be going into the woods with him. Yeah. Anyway, he tells Emma that her arrival was prophesied, and it's like, God damn it! Even becoming the Dark One doesn't let her stop being the Savior.
1: So they arrive at Camelot. It's only a model. Mm, 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 mm. Get ready for a lot more of that. And everyone looks really impressed, although this is pretty subpar by terms of, you know.
0: It's fine. It's fine. Mary Margaret's carrying Neil, which... I mean, I guess they couldn't just leave him behind at the diner, but... You know what, this is just emphasizing why they shouldn't have brought children along. Baby Neil. Yeah, baby Neil. There is no grown-up Neil. Grown-up Neil is dead.
1: We zoom out to see the model... That is Camelot. And then we cut to six weeks later.
0: Six weeks later in Storybrooke, we see two of the dwarves.
1: Who apparently stayed behind.
0: Yeah, not two of the dwarves who went on the mission, but two other dwarves. I have to say, though, the dwarf who's driving is wearing Emma's knit cap and Emma's red jacket. I think he thinks that's the sheriff's uniform.
1: It's like when Leela stopped being captain of the Planet Express ship and... The professor made her give her jacket to Bender, even though...
0: Even though it was her jacket.
1: It was her jacket she just had. So the dwarf who is now sheriff is like, Why would you say it's been really quiet for six weeks? Do you not know how this sort of thing works? And then Granny's has bamfed back to Storybrooke. And everyone in it is wearing fancy medieval clothes.
0: Yes, including, please note, Regina is wearing a... Fancy, red, medieval dress that's the same dress that Emma wore when she traveled back in time a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. Yeah. Regina, and her hair is all down and long Oh my god, it looks
1: so good.
0: It does look good. But also, she's definitely doing a good guy thing here. Where she's wearing her hair down and soft and wearing the savior dress that Emma was wearing. Speaking Speaking of, of... Oh, you go.
1: Oh, okay. So... We get to see Emma and Emma has gone full ass dark one
0: and it's great. Yeah, she shows up and well, I guess she figured if she didn't get the scale skin, she was just going to wear a like scaly snakeskin black trench coat because that is what she is wearing and her hair is like. Super white and pulled back and she is like not having any of this. She turns one of the dwarves to stone.
1: It's Sneezy. Sneezy sneezes and she's like, really? Sneezing in my presence? And she just, Pff. I love full on Dark One Emma because unlike Mary Margaret, when Mary Margaret, when we saw Evil Mary Margaret, Evil Mary Margaret had this middle ground where she was just Talking like normal and stuff. But Dark One Emma has this incredibly reserved, she talks in small ways. She's very much about small, intimate gestures.
0: Well, if I may, Mm -hmm. evil Mary Margaret was aping Regina. Evil Emma is her own thing.
1: She is, because this isn't really what we saw with Rumble Stiltskin either. She's doing something
0: different. Yeah. Anyway, Regina's like, oh, okay, we need to we need to pump the brakes on this. And she reaches for the Dark One dagger, and it's not there. Emma has the Dark One dagger now. And, okay, I have to say, as much as I love this, considering what's going on, considering what Emma's plan is for the rest of the season, she really is being unnecessarily melodramatic in this scene.
1: Yeah. Yes, she is. She tells them all that they're all going to be punished for what they did to her.
0: Yeah. Turn oh. down your burners, Emma.
1: Yeah. And Hook's all like, Why are you doing this? And Emma's like, Because I am the Dark One. And then she poofs away.
0: Yep, she Dark One teleports away. And everyone looks soups concerned. But so uh
1: What did you think about the first episode back?
0: I mean, I didn't hate it. All the stuff with Merida was just too much.
1: It was. It was.
0: And that was, that was like a third of the episode.
1: It would have been fine if we don't get any more stuff with Merida.
0: I mean, this is, was an episode that was saved by the final scene. And I know that that's not going to last. Yeah. But, it, you know, it was fine. It was fine.
1: This show has a problem of too much hat, no cat.
0: No cattle. The phrase is all hat, no cattle.
1: Well, I clearly did something different with that phrase. So it kind of leans into a problem the show has where it's all set up, no payoff.
0: Yeah, no kidding. And they're so good at setup. And that's why those last episodes suck you in because. The season finales are inevitably setting up the next season. And you're like, oh, I know that this stuff was weak, but look at what's coming next. And it's like, (laughs) haha.
1: Yeah, I feel kind of bad because this is not a great opener. And usually Once Upon a Time has great season openers and great season closers. And the middle is kind of a varying quality, but...
0: I don't think we're going to get another great opener until season six. Wow. If I remember correctly. Because... This one is, uh, I remember practically giving up on the hell season.
1: Oh, yeah, no. At the end of the hell season, we were like, no, we can't do this anymore. Like,
0: But then I remember we really, really enjoyed season six for a while. A while. But, you know, we've got six months before we get there.
1: Yeah. No point stressing about it now. So, fashion corner.
0: Let's talk about fashion. I'm so excited that Regina's wearing Emma's dress.
1: It looks great on her. Uh I looks so good in red. And it's sort of a different lighter kind of red than she normally gets. She
0: usually gets like a blood red, and this is like a true red.
1: Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say brighter instead of lighter. Yeah. Because lighter makes it sound pinkish. But no, this is like... Like you said, true red.
0: Yes. Um, I loved Emma's final Dark One outfit because how could you not?
1: It's so good.
0: It's like black snakeskin leather. Who doesn't love that?
1: And Mary Margaret was dressed like a dental hygienist, so that was a thing.
0: Yeah. So I guess that's it. So our show is partially listener-supported. If you would like to be one of those supporters, you can click on our Patreon link on our website over at ilovetelevisionzines.com. You can also get past episodes while you're there. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Cassidy, Alec, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan.
1: If you'd like to support us in other ways, you could always rate or review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show.
0: If you want to talk about this episode, you could go over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash
1: we can also be contacted at I Love ilovetelevisionzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com.
0: So until next week, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Story bro Don't you want to be evil like me? Don't you want to be mean? Don't you want to make mischief your daily routine? where well, you can spend your